on this episode of Fantasy NFL Today. Choo-choo! Back on the ADP train tracks. Draft night is quickly approaching. Lots of drafts this weekend. Lots of drafts the following weekend. And lots of last-minute drafts. We have to debunk these ADP rankings before you make a colossal mistake. We already covered rounds one and two last week. And today, I'm taking a shredder to rounds three and four. So with that... The ESPN Top 48 ADP Breakdown starts right now. Welcome to Fantasy NFL Today, presented by HoopBall. Today is Monday, August 23rd. I am your host, Anthony Germain, and you can find me on Twitter at the Talking Sunday handle. That's T-A-L-K-I-N-G, Talking Sunday, all one word. And we are back and continuing through these wacky, 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 wacky ADP rankings provided by ESPN. Remember, although I preach a robust running back draft strategy, that is not always the case. That is not the only winning formula. If your league happens to draft heavy running backs throughout the first and second round, then you have to adjust. You are forced to then adjust, and that's really what it all comes down to here. It just boils down to getting those right guys. So if you're forced to draft dominant wide receivers at the back end of your draft, do it. Don't take Clyde Edwards-Hilaire to be your running back one if somebody like Tyreek Hill is still on the board. Be smart about this because there are running backs that you may be able to get in these rounds that I'm about to break down on this very episode. It's still risky and there's no guarantee that those guys will be there for you as that running back list dwindles down and it dwindles down quick, but they are there. So let's get to it. We've already covered the first two rounds slash the top 24 last week, and today we're going to break down rounds three and four slash the top 48 according to the ESPN standard half-point PPR ADP rankings. So looking at this round three right off the bat, I already see three issues. Three guys that are way too high, and that starts with number 25, Terry McLaurin, 26, Mike Evans, and 27, C.D. Lamb. I know all of those guys have a big mantra, big name behind them, but they're a little too high. At number 25, Terry McLaurin. I love Terry McLaurin. I own him in my keeper league. I think he's a great wide receiver, but I'm not taking him over guys like Keenan Allen and Allen Robinson who are a little bit lower in this same round. I get why he's high as being the true number one wideout on that team, but remember with Ron Rivera in the picture as the head coach, this is going to be a run-first team going through Antonio Gibson and J.D. McKissick. I do think that Ryan Fitzpatrick is an upgrade, obviously an upgrade at that quarterback position, but are we really trusting him as the full-year starter to really force-feed the ball to Terry McLaurin? Yes, he had a decent year with the Miami Dolphins last year, but we've seen in the past his meltdowns, and he's not getting any younger. Again, I like McLaurin. If you want to take him, I don't really have a problem with it. But for me, at the current ADP, I have to pass. At number 26, again, a little too high here, Mike Evans. He did lead the team in targets, 25 more than Godwin, and he also led the team in receptions and touchdowns as well. But remember, Antonio Brown is now fully in the picture. 
Antonio Brown only played in eight games last year and only got a 21 less target rate than Chris Godwin in those eight games. And also, Antonio Brown lives with Tom Brady. If you don't think Tom Brady is going to make an effort to feed Antonio Brown, an effort to keep him happy, then you're out of your mind. And if I'm being honest with you, Antonio Brown is the wide receiver to own here. And we can get him many, many, many rounds later here. Yes, Mike Evans has the name. Yes, he has that big, true alpha, number one wide receiver type body. Yes, he goes up and gets those contested balls. But remember, Tampa Bay spreads the ball around. As long as Tom Brady's under center, they are going to spread the ball around. You're going to see Scotty Miller get a slice. You're going to see Gronk get a slice. You're going to see Godwin get a slice. You're going to see Antonio get a lot of slices. So as an early third round pick, especially if you're doing the robust running back draft strategy, you're asking me to put Mike Evans as my wide receiver one, and I can't do that. Antonio Brown is one of my targets later in the draft, and again, I think he's the best Tampa Bay receiver to own on this team. 27, C.D. Lamb, the talk of the preseason. He's blasted all over social media for making incredible catches in camp. He's on hard knocks. I see the appeal. I get it. I think he is going to be an absolute phenomenal receiver because the talent is real. He is a bad dude, but the Dak Prescott injury concerns me. Remember, they referred to Dak's shoulder injury as a baseball-related injury. And a lot of times in baseball, shoulder-related injuries linger. So if Dak Prescott misses time during the season, that backup quarterback situation is grim. Grim. There is no talent backing up Dak Prescott. Ben DiNucci... This is the guy you're going to rely to feed C.D. Lamb as your third-round pick, possibly your wide receiver one. Also, keep in mind, Amari Cooper has been out with injury. I think he just suited up yesterday. Just got on the practice field. And who has been Dak Prescott's favorite target to this date? Amari Cooper, who's still a very good wide receiver. So, of course, you're seeing C.D. Lamb being fed a lot. Outside of Michael Gallup, he's the only true option. And one more thing, this offense is still running through Ezekiel Elliott. The Cowboys offense has consistently been predicated off that run. And with that massive contract that Jerry Jones gave to Ezekiel Elliott, you better believe it's still going to run through Ezekiel Elliott. Jerry Jones calls the shots, not Mike McCarthy, Jerry Jones. As long as Jerry Jones is alive and well and owns the Cowboys, what he says goes. So C.D. Lamb, Mike Evans, and Terry McLaurin all a little too high. I do like McLaurin the best of those three right there. I'm still sinking Evans and C.D. Lamb down a bit. One of my favorite receivers here at number 28, Keenan Allen. Yes, the Chargers do have a lot of mouths to feed, kind of like Dallas and Tampa Bay, but they still had those mouths to feed last year. And this was Justin Herbert's favorite target with 138 of them coming in as the sixth overall receiver in targets. And he's just one of the best route runners. I've never seen a receiver create such good separation like he does on a consistent basis. And with Justin Herbert going into his second year, only getting better, we should see this trend to continue. You don't just suddenly stop throwing to your favorite receiver in the offense. Yes, they have a new offensive coordinator, Joe Lombardi, who spent the last six seasons as the Saints' 
quarterback coach. And that's also a good thing because now this offense should have a New Orleans vibe to it. We should see a little bit of an uptick from Mike Williams and probably more production out of Austin Eckler. But I still think Keenan Allen is the clear cut top talent when it comes to the wide receiver position. And again, Herbert's not just going to forget about Keenan Allen because the new offense wants to feed Mike Williams a little more. They want to give Mike Williams 10 more targets. That doesn't mean Keenan Allen's production is all of a sudden going to fall off a cliff. So I love Keenan Allen here as an early slash mid. It's more of a mid third round pick. If you can get him as your wide receiver one, if you're following my robust running back draft strategy, that is a great wide receiver to have as your wide receiver one. If you draft it, maybe a wide receiver like Tyreek Hill in the back end and then got somebody like a Najee Harris or an Antonio Gibson, you know, you're kind of making a more balanced team. Then getting Keenan Allen as your wide receiver two is just another phenomenal start to your draft. And at 29, we round out the big three, that top-tier tight end group with George Kittle. And when healthy, Kittle over the past has been an absolute target machine. But that's the key. When healthy, he's only finished one full season in his entire career. He missed 11 games over the last two seasons alone. So I think there is something there with Kittle's durability, but he is 27 years old and in the prime of his career. Like I said on previous pods, I think the only tight end I'm willing to take this early is Darren Waller, and he continues to go up the ADP charts. In a lot of mocks I've done recently, and trust me, I've done a lot. Darren Waller, I have seen gone in the second round, as early as the second round. And the reason I like Waller more than Kittle is because Waller is the guy in Las Vegas. Whereas Kittle is mixed in there with a Brandon Ayuk, with a Debo Samuel, with that strong running game. Remember, San Francisco is a run-first team. And with the new quarterback, Trey Lance, it's inevitable that he'll take over Jimmy Garoppolo's job. And with the new system quarterback, we really don't know what this new offense will look like. So as a third-round pick, I am personally passing on George Kittle. If Waller's price is too expensive and I can't maybe grab Waller in the third round, then I'm looking to draft Kyle Pitts, the rookie tight end out of Atlanta, maybe in the fourth or fifth round. So Kittle's ADP here, for me personally, is a little too high at 29. Number 30, oh my God, we want to talk about too high. Number 30, Miles Sanders. Get this guy out of the third round. Get this guy out of the fourth round, fifth round, maybe the sixth round. Now that sounds freaking crazy, but round three is an absolute atrocity. And his ADP here as a mid third round pick has fallen a bit from that early third round to late second round, but it's still not far enough. I've explained this on the Eagles podcast. That Eagles backfield is log jammed. They drafted Kenny Gainwell, who has ranked out as a better running back than Antonio Gibson in Memphis. Gainwell and Gibson both played for the Memphis Tigers the same year, and Gainwell beat out Gibson as a running back, causing Gibson to play wide receiver. So now we have Kenny Gainwell, who's going to siphon receptions away from Miles Sanders, and laugh all you want about Jordan Howard. Jordan Howard is going to take goal line touches away from Miles Sanders as well. So if Sanders isn't getting receptions and he's not getting the goal line touches, why are we drafting him in the third round? We're asking him to make up a ton of production as a pure runner in between the 20s. And that's just insane. You're banking on him busting out and scoring a big play. That's what you're doing. And as a third round pick, possibly your RB1, most likely your RB2, absolutely not. Absolutely not. He'll make for a solid flex, but we're not drafting for our flex in round three. We're drafting for our flex in round six and seven. 
And with guys like David Montgomery, DeAndre Swift, and Daryl Henderson still on the board, even Chris Carson down here, Sanders is getting a huge bump down. I'm taking every single one of those running backs I just mentioned way before Sanders. I'm even taking two or three wide receivers before I would consider Sanders. I am that down on Sanders, and I think this ADP is just absolute bonkers. 31 at David Montgomery. Oh my God, I love me some David Montgomery this year. And yes, we'll definitely see Monty take a hit from the reception department with the return of Tariq Cohen. But don't let that steer you away. He's still the primary back entering into his third year, and he's shown improvement with each game, and I think he's in store for his biggest season, especially once Justin Fields takes over. I think his ADP is about right here, though. I'm taking him over guys like Joe Mixon and Miles Sanders that we just talked about, but as an early to mid third round pick, it feels right. He is definitely going to be in a timeshare, but he's still going to get the bulk. You can slot him in as your RB2 if you went running back with your first pick, wide receiver with your second pick, and having Montgomery as your RB2 is amazing. It's great, great value. Or you could slot him in as a power flex. If you follow the robust running back draft strategy, you took a running back in round one, running back in round two, and now you get David Montgomery that you can slide right into that flex. Now your house, your foundation is sturdy. If one of your running backs get hurt, you can slide Montgomery right up into that RB2 role. But as a strong power flex, you now have a lot more power over most of the players in your league. You have three starting players that are consistently being fed volume. And plus, if you start your draft with three running backs, you don't have to worry about the position for the rest of the draft. You won't have to take a fourth bench stash running back until round 10, 11, or 12. It's great. You can focus on getting a Kyle Pitts at tight end, or you can focus at stacking up your wide receiver core at that time. And like I keep saying, that wide receiver position runs deep. It runs deep. It's better to have the stud workhorse backs lined up, ready to go, then focus the rest of your draft on getting those sleeper wide receivers, those wide receivers that are consistently going to be on the field, I might add as well. Like that's the, that's the thing a lot of people I think don't realize. If you Even if you wait on wide receiver, you're getting guys that are either the wide receiver one or wide receiver two on those teams, and they're always on the field. If you wait on running back, you're most likely drafting a running back by committee and your running back is not on the field for half of the game. So if you wait on receiver and get a wide receiver like a Brandon Cooks in rounds seven or eight, that's a wide receiver one that's always going to be on the field. Even if you wait and get a Corey Davis or an Elijah Moore, those guys are always on the field for the Jets for a team that's going to be down all the time. But if you wait on running back and get guys like Naheem Hines or Trey Saramon, who I do love a lot, they're not going to be on the field all the time. You're limiting your optimum output. And that's why I preach robust running back draft strategy. At number 32, we have J.K. Dobbins. And I mean, again, a lot of people are high on this guy. But the facts, the reality of the situation is that Gus Edwards is going to continue to be a real problem for anyone expecting a big year out of Dobbins. Dobbins performed nicely from weeks 11 to 17, but only slightly out-touched Edwards 86 to 74 carries down that stretch. That's not a big difference. Dobbins, 86 carries. Gus Edwards, 74 carries. And Edwards was actually the better back. 
He outperformed Dobbins in yards after contact and forced missed tackles. So why take Dobbins this high when you can get Gus Edwards eight rounds later? Eight. Again, we're talking about a running back by committee. And also, Lamar Jackson runs the ball a lot, who's going to take away rushing yards from that rushing attack. And the passing yards. So... For me, at number 32 in the third round with J.K. Dobbins sitting there, it's a hard pass. I'm sinking him way down along with Miles Sanders, way down along with Joe Mixon. And this is where the ADP continues to be just complete lunacy. Just lunacy. They are telling you to take J.K. Dobbins before guys like Allen Robinson, before guys like DeAndre Swift, before guys like Julio Jones, who we'll get to all these guys in a second. But that is just crazy. Why are you taking a running back by committee split back situation this early in the draft? It's just crazy and ignore it. Now, the next three picks, they go back into wide receiver. We have 33, Allen Robinson, 34, Robert Woods, and 35, Adam Thielen. I do like all of these receivers, but my favorite one by far is number 33, Allen Robinson. My favorite pick in this round, according to these ADPs. He has consistently produced and he's had some of the worst, if not the worst quarterbacks in his entire career. I mean, he played with guys like Matt McGloin as a Penn State Nittany Lion in college. And then we can have the argument of who his best quarterback was in the NFL between Blake Bortles, Mitch Trubisky and Nick Foles. I mean, that's how bad it is. He's never played with a better quarterback than any of those guys I just mentioned. It's insane. And the craziest part about it all is he was still third in targets across the league last year. And I don't think we've even seen Allen Robinson hit his ceiling yet. We haven't seen him come close to his full potential. And this is the year he can possibly do it. He'll have Justin Fields at some point or another. I mean, let's be real. Andy Dalton is not going to run away with this job. Justin Fields will come in hopefully sooner rather than later. And this will be the best quarterback he's ever had in his entire football career. I mean, he finished as the wide receiver 12 overall between Nick Foles and Mitch Trubisky last year. So just imagine what he'll do with a competent quarterback. I mean, he has potential to finish as a top five wide receiver this year. He's 27 years old. He's in the prime of his career. I think he's playing on a contract year as well. And he's coming off the board as a late third round pick. I mean, this is a crime. I would like to call and report a murder. This is how bad this is. And if you're doing the running back robust draft strategy, Allen Robinson is your wide receiver number one. Make the selection, sit back in your seat, kick your feet up, and just sip on those Huskies because you are now in the lead in your league. Now, the next two, Robert Woods and Adam Thielen, I kind of put in the same boat together. They're very similar with each other. They're both in offenses that have another really reliable receiver on the other side. They're both a little bit older in their careers, especially Adam Thielen. I think he's pushing 32 now. And both have been very consistent over the years. Very consistent, underrated receivers. And honestly, they're both not the sexiest guys to own. It, it feels weird when you draft guys like Robert Woods or Adam Thielen in the third round or maybe even the early fourth round. You're like, ah, everybody wants that sex appeal, that big player, that guy who's going to break out. Like we know what we're getting from a Robert Woods and an Adam Thielen. But this early in the draft, that's kind of what you want. You want consistency. The consistency early on is what helps you build that strong foundation and then you take your shots later on in the draft. And then the hope is that the shots that you take late hit and then you know that's really the formula there for winning it all but 
this early, it's okay to draft somebody like a Robert Woods or a Thielen. Not my favorite. Not you know, I'm probably still gonna pass on these guys. I'm hoping I'm getting a Keenan Allen, an Allen Robinson, or even a David Montgomery in this round. But if not, you know, again, we have to adjust. And these are two solid guys you can rely on. And I know Justin Jefferson burst onto the scene last year in Minnesota. But don't forget that Adam Thielen is still Kirk Cousins' favorite target. Thielen finished with an astronomical 14 touchdowns last year. And yes, we are definitely going to see regression from that department. But Cousins still trusts him the most on that team when they need it the most. When they need that touchdown, when they need that first down, he's looking at Adam Thielen first. And yes, Matt Stafford is now a better quarterback in Los Angeles than Jared Goff was. But if you look at Stafford's past, he has tended to favor those big bodied receivers. So he might favor Cooper Cup more than a Robert Woods. He had Megatron, Calvin Johnson. He had Kenny Galladay. Marvin Jones is even a taller, big bodied guy. So Stafford tends to favor somebody more like a Cooper Cup than a Robert Woods. But I still think we'll see the normal, consistent production from Woods. I still think we'll see the normal, consistent production from Alan Thielen. I do like these options as the late third-round pick. And the last pick in the third round is running back Josh Jacobs of the Las Vegas Raiders. And just like Joe Mixon and just like Miles Sanders, I am sinking him down, down, down. Don't mess around here. You have to understand the Raiders face one of the hardest run schedules against the run. And that defense is one of the worst in the league, which means they'll be trailing often. They also brought in running back Kenyon Drake and gave him a large contract so he will not be sitting on that bench. He's going to be the receiving back. That is his skill set. He's very good at catching the ball out of the backfield, running a route over the middle, and catching that ball. So when they're down, there's going to be less opportunity for Jacobs to be the pure runner, and they'll resort to passing the ball to Drake. So why draft a split back in the third round when you can get Kenyon Drake, the guy that might outperform him in round nine? So stay away from Josh Jacobs. Man, these, I mean, we just went through one round there. And there were so many problems just in that one round. Do you see how these cookie cutter ADPs can be every year? A lot of it is copied and pasted from the year before. They don't really factor in everything that's happened during the offseason, who they drafted, how a new coaching scheme might affect the team. So it's really important to pay attention to all of that. Whew. All right, let's get into round four now. Somebody that has consistently been growing on me like algae at the bottom of a lake. 37, the first pick in the first round here, running back DeAndre Swift with the Detroit Lions. With this new coaching staff coming over from that New Orleans Saints offense, they're looking to use Swift as that Alvin Kamara role. And I know I wasn't on board earlier, but the Lions have been trying to establish a run game for years. They've been making it a clear and obvious effort this year that they are going to establish that run, which Dan Campbell wants to do, establish that run. It's very old school and then play tough defense. The lack of wide receiver talent on this team, it might be actually the worst in the league outside of TJ Hawkinson is so bad that I really do believe that this offense is going to run through DeAndre Swift and TJ Hawkinson. They did bring in Jamal Williams, but there's no doubt that Swift will get the bulk in touches and receptions. So I'm looking for Swift to take that huge second-year leap here. And if you can get him as your running back two or flex like Montgomery, this could be a huge power flex. It's just a huge advantage. Think about the garbage time. All the garbage time. The Lions are not going to be good. They're going to be a bottom five team. There's no doubt about it. 
So all that garbage time, all those dump passes, the swift, and he just rips off those 20-yard runs right there at the end of the game for no reason. Just think, 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 points, 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 points. And I mean, this is just really, 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 really good value in the fourth. I don't know how many times I can say it, especially if you don't follow the running back robust strategy. If you drafted two stud wide receivers at the back end of your draft, say you got a Tyreek Hill, and then on the comeback, you got a DeAndre Hopkins. And then maybe you added David Montgomery to be your RB1 in round three, and now you add Swift. I'd say that's a pretty solid start. Pretty, pretty solid. The next four picks in this round go Amari Cooper at 38, Chris Godwin 39, Tyler Lockett at 40, and Julio Jones at 41. How are we taking Tyler Lockett before Julio Jones? Hmm, weird. But anyway, number 38, Amari Cooper. I do think this is really good value here, especially if you are doing the robust running back draft strategy. How many times am I going to say that on this pod? Probably a lot more still. Um, but we are getting him at an injury discount because we haven't seen him take the field. He's been hurt, like I just discussed with the C.D. Lamb situation, and that's why we're seeing C.D. Lamb being fed all those balls. Amari Cooper, Dak Prescott's favorite target, hasn't suited up yet, but Cooper has been consistently Dak's favorite target throughout the years. But just like C.D. Lamb, the injury to Dak's shoulder is very concerning. It's very concerning. If he goes out, who is throwing the ball to these guys? Who is throwing the ball to Cooper? Who is throwing the ball to Lamb? I'm not relying on Ben DiNucci to get me consistent production from these wide receivers. I'm not doing it. So I sink Cooper down. I sink Lamb down. And I'm taking guys like Julio Jones, Chris Godwin, and even Cortland Sutton all before Amari Cooper. And they're all listed below him on this cheat sheet. At 39, we have Chris Godwin. You know, he only got five less targets than Mike Evans, but just like I said with Mike Evans, Antonio Brown is the receiver to own in this Tampa Bay wide receiver group. I think Antonio Brown is going to demand the most targets on the team, followed by Mike Evans, and now you're now our guy here at 39, Chris Godwin. So when looking at Chris Godwin, there's just too many mouths to feed. And again, they spread the ball around so much in that offense. And Brady tends to favor those shorter guys. He has his whole career. Julian Edelman, Danny Amendola, Wes Welker, Scotty Miller even last year. AB, for whatever reason, he favors those shorter guys, which is crazy. Especially when you have two monsters like Mike Evans and Chris Godwin on the outside. But for whatever reason... Brady has a knack for hitting those shorter, speedy guys. So again, I'm not really wasting my time with Chris Godwin or Mike Evans at their current ADPs. It's very expensive. But I am making a huge effort, very huge effort. I might even have to reach a little bit to get Antonio Brown later in this draft. It's just the way it is. Tyler Lockett here at number 40. You know, I don't really have much to say about him. He's been a consistent force for Seattle under the radar force. And at number 40, it seems about right. But Julio Jones at 41, again, I would like to call and report a murder. This is the crime of the century. I get that he's 32. I get that he's in a run-first offense. I get that A.J. Brown is on the other side. But we are still talking about Julio Jones. When healthy, Julio has shown zero signs of slowing down. Zero. And everybody will say, well, that's the case. He seems like he's been getting nicked up a lot. 
And yes, there's really nothing we can do about injuries. And we haven't seen Julio take the field yet for the Titans because he is quote unquote injured. But I think more of that is just reserving him. I don't think he needs the reps. He doesn't need the practice. He doesn't need to have full out practices. He just needs to understand the playbook and what his role is in the offense. They're just saving him for the season. That's all. He's not banged up. He's not hurt. And like I said, when healthy, he had produced at a wide receiver one level last year with the shitty Falcons. And in this Titans offense, there is more than enough passing volume to go around. Remember that Corey Davis, who is now with the Jets, had a career year with the Titans in that run first offense with A.J. Brown. And Julio is still a far superior athlete than most wide receivers in this league at the age of 32. So don't kid yourself and go get Julio Jones. He is the perfect, say it with me, the perfect wide receiver to use in my robust running back draft strategy. There it is. Even as your number one wide receiver. Think about if you got lucky and you drafted three stud running backs. And now we can ignore the position like we talked about. And you land Julio Jones as your wide receiver one. L-O-L. Seriously, good luck to the rest of your league because you are now set up like no other. Good luck. And again, right here, this is the perfect example of taking advantage of these overreactions and these silly, silly ADP charts. Number 42, 43, and 44, all receivers again with DJ Moore, Kenny Galladay, and Brandon Ayuk. I am out on every single one of them. You know, DJ Moore has been consistent, and he's only 24 years old. So... The production that he's produced at the NFL level at his age, he should only get better. He did lead the team in yards. But the interesting thing here was he was actually third in targets on the team. And I just don't like the idea of Sam Darnold at all. I'm not going to sit here and just solely blame Adam Gase for Sam Darnold not producing on the field. When you watch Darnold perform, he plays scared. He looks like a deer in the headlights. He wasn't even that good in college with the USC Trojans. And to me, he's nothing more than a good quality backup. I think the Jets are going to give them a run for their money in week one. I really do. I think one of my favorite bets is going to be the Jets plus four in week one. And I think it's going to be a very close game. If not, the Jets win outright. Sam Darnold is not good. And that scares me when drafting any of these Panther wide receivers. And to pile on, the leading receiver in targets, Robbie Anderson, has a former connection with Sam Darnold from his time with the Jets. So that trend is most likely to continue. And let's pile on a little bit more here. The team drafted wide receiver Terrace Marshall out of LSU, who has a former connection to offensive coordinator Joe Brady. So although consistent with DJ Moore, there are still better options on the table given the new circumstances with the Panthers this season. And at 43, Kenny Galladay, like DJ Moore, the quarterback situation with the Giants is just horrid. Daniel Jones, like Sam Darnold, can't play. Daniel Jones has made some of the most boneheaded throws you'll ever see at the NFL level. And it's a shame because I really like Kenny Galladay as a receiver. But this Giants team is going to force feed Saquon Barkley. They're going to give Barkley 22 to 25 carries a game. They're also going to throw passes to Saquon Barkley. That's how they're going to try to set up the offense. And Kenny Galladay should be the clear-cut talent wide receiver one on that team. But I don't trust Daniel Jones. I think he's going to overthrow him a lot. I think Galladay's going to have the opportunity. He's going to get open. He should have a big year. But Daniel Jones, again, is unreliable. And I'm not putting a fourth-round pick tag on Kenny Galladay with Daniel Jones as the quarterback. I just can't count on him. 
I can't count on consistency. And within the first five rounds, we need as many consistent players as we can get. Number 44, Brandon Ayuk. Another example of why these ADPs are all out of whack. If you just look at the final stat sheet, and that's clearly what they're doing here with the ADP sheet. If you just look at the final stat sheet, copy and paste to this year, you'll see that Brandon Ayuk led the team in targets. But they seem to have forgotten that George Kittle and Debo Samuel missed most of the entire season. And if you look back to when Debo Samuel last played in 2019, he outproduced Brandon Ayuk in every single statistical category. So Debo Samuel, who's one of my biggest sleepers this year, is now back in the fold. George Kittle is back in the fold and fully healthy. Where does that leave Ayuk? It leaves him as the fourth option. He's behind the rushing attack because that's what San Francisco does most. They run the ball. That's option one. He's behind George Kittle. That's option two. And now he's behind Debo Samuel. That's option three. So if you want to take Brandon Ayuk to be your wide receiver two in the fourth round, good luck. I bid you adieu. At 45, I do like Cooper Cup. I like him more than Robert Woods. He's taller, like I talked about, and Stafford tends to favor those big body, taller receivers. And Cup just fits that mold more than Robert Woods. I have Cup probably finishing out more productive than Woods and possibly having a career year. But, you know, who knows? I think at his current ADP at the 45th overall pick here, I think that's fine. And I would probably consider, you know, if if Cortland Sutton, Daryl Henderson, uh, Julio Jones, if all those guys are gone, I would definitely consider Cooper Cup to be my wide receiver too. For anybody that has been following my top 10 sleeper wide receivers, you'll know that I had Cortland Sutton, who's here at 46, as my number two overall sleeper of the year. It doesn't matter if it's Drew Locke. It doesn't matter if it's Teddy Bridgewater because Cortland Sutton had his breakout year in 2019 with Drew Locke under center. That's when he flourished. So even with Jerry Judy in the picture, Sutton still has the body type you're looking for for that true alpha wide receiver one. We're getting him at an injury discount because we haven't seen him in over a year and everybody saw how bad that Denver offense was last year. I absolutely love, love, love Cortland Sutton as a fourth round pick, although I think he should be higher. If we're talking about these ADPs, he's an absolute steal because now we're slotting him in to be our wide receiver two or possibly our wide receiver three. So that's great value. My favorite, absolute favorite pick in this round, according to these ADP rankings, number 47, Daryl Henderson, the running back one for the Los Angeles Rams. And the longer we don't see Henderson take the field, the better it is for you and everybody listening to this podcast. Sean McVay doesn't plan to use him at all this preseason, and this is all good, good, good news for all of us. Because Henderson is going to be the Rams running back one, and there is no doubt about that. The fact that we can get a McVay starting running back in a run-heavy offense is absolute phenomenal value in the fourth round. I would honestly, and I really mean this, I would honestly move Henderson up into the early third round. But shh, don't tell anybody. So let's keep this as quiet as we can for another week or two. Henderson has that skill set to be a three down back and he is most closely comped out to Maurice Jones Drew. So don't sleep here and don't be afraid to quote unquote reach for him. 
I think if you take him in the third round, somebody might look at you with a cocked eye and, you know, start laughing at you. But he's going to be the lead back for the Rams, a three down back for the Rams. We've seen what those running backs in that offense can do in the past. We saw a little bit from it with Cam Akers last year. We obviously saw from years before what Todd Gurley can do with it. So I just think the value here is incredible. Absolutely incredible. This can be a league winner. And we're getting him on the back end of the fourth round. Like I said, I would bump him up an entire round and slide him all the way over to the beginning. I would gladly take him as my RB2. And if you can get him as your RB3 as a flex, you're going to win your league. And finally, at number 48, to finish the fourth round out, we have running back Chris Carson. And every year, Carson is overlooked. And every year, he produces... Everyone is just scared of his durability, which is fair. But last year, Pete Carroll let Russ cook. That's what everybody wanted, right? Let Russ cook. Let Russ cook. But by the end of the year, the way they fizzled out, Pete didn't like it. And they're heading back to that run first philosophy. And Chris Carson hit that free agent market, but came back and signed a two-year deal with the Hawks and is back to being entrenched as that RB1. So we're now looking at him going back to being a 1,200-yard rusher as his floor, pushing the limit on double-digit touchdowns. And as a late fourth slash early fifth round pick, I also find this to be great value, especially if you're drafting tight ends and wide receivers early. You can confidently get a Chris Carson, maybe slot him in as your RB1 if you are that crazy and that you know willing to wait on running backs, then Chris Carson is another good option for you. Well, that's our show for today. I hope everyone learned something from these rounds three and four. Tomorrow, we will get deeper into it and go rounds five and six. Maybe we'll try to go a little bit further out here, speed it up, because like I said, everybody's drafts are getting closer and closer. Mine is this weekend. I have a feeling a lot of people will be drafting this weekend, but I also know a lot of people will draft the weekend after that or even right up until kickoff Thursday Night Football, Tampa Bay versus the Dallas Cowboys. So I'm trying to get through these ADPs as fast as we can. I'll do my best to get those out to you. So until then, we will talk to you tomorrow. Tomorrow.